Hello, and welcome to A History of Hannibal, episode 24, Trebia. My apologies in advance for this episode. My voice is rather poor this week as I've got quite a cold, so I'm sorry. But the show must go on, so let's get things underway. News made its way south to Rome, that their forces had been defeated at the Ticinus. The Romans were disappointed, obviously. They had been hoping for an early victory. But in the long run, it didn't matter too greatly. This was, after all, only a cavalry battle. The infantry was still intact. This was what mattered to the Romans. They were confident that their legions could defeat Hannibal. Scipio was probably being too over-eager for conflict. Things would be fine. As Sempronius passed through Rome, on his way to join his partner in the consulship, the atmosphere was optimistic. The reinforced army in the north would have no trouble in defeating these troublesome Carthaginians. Then, they could get to the real business of fighting in Spain and Africa. Right? Well, let's find out. Sempronius marched up to Arminium, and thence to Scipio, where he pitched camp a short distance away. Sempronius needed to rest. His men had just marched from Lilibium to the Po Valley in 40 days. These are at least Polybius's version of events. Livy says the troops sailed to Arminium. Either way, while the troops needed to rest after the journey, this didn't mean there was nothing to do. The troops trained while Sempronius spoke with Scipio. Scipio recapped him on what had been going on, and they discussed plans. Scipio urged caution, no doubt his illness and recent defeat having dampened his spirits, while Sempronius was eager for action. The year was coming to a close. Perhaps Sempronius wanted to gain victory before his time was up, and command swapped to another general. It isn't like, it is something we haven't seen before. Remember Regulus? In Africa? The situation was delicately poised in the Po Valley. The two major forces were, of course, the legions and Hannibal. Then, there were also the native Gauls. They were not going to get involved in the fight until they felt confident in who would win. One is reminded of the Battle of Bosworth and the War of the Roses. We have the House of York on one side and the House of Lancaster on the other, and then Thomas Stanley observing, waiting to decide who will win the fight. This suited the Romans just fine. As long as they were not fighting against them, they were quite happy to let the Gauls be. But Hannibal was frustrated with them. He said the Gauls had urged him to come to Italy and liberate them, and the Insubres and the Boii had asked for help when they broke into revolts earlier that year. He thus decided to raid the Gauls 
with his cavalry. I admittedly can't see the sense in this at all. It forced the Gauls onto the Roman side, as long as the Romans would protect them. If we return to the Battle of Bosworth Field analogy, it would be as though, annoyed that Stanley hadn't immediately sided with him, Henry Tudor decided to attack. Stanley did eventually side with Henry, helping him win the battle and become Henry VII of England. But had Henry impatiently attacked, he could well have been defeated, and the Yorkists could have won the War of the Roses, rather than the Lancastrians. I don't know the exact effects of this, but one suspects they would be huge. But while interesting, this is completely off-topic. Let's get back to the Poe. Sempronius and Scipio disagreed over what to do. Scipio thought the Gauls untrustworthy, while Sempronius was quite happy to have their help. And as Scipio was one, indecisive, and two, injured, so out of action, Sempronius sent out a force to protect the Gauls. The Carthaginian raiders were completely taken aback and fled back to their camp. The Romans chased, and both sides were reinforced. While the casualties were quite even, the Romans perhaps had a slight advantage. Sempronius was thrilled. Perhaps too much. He was joyed that he had beaten the Carthaginians in a cavalry engagement. The exact type of warfare that Scipio had been beaten at. To Sempronius... It was a famous and glorious victory. As time continued to go by, Sempronius was desperate for battle. Time was running out before the new consuls would arrive. They had all the armies they would get. What was the purpose of delaying while Hannibal was on Italian soil? Scipio was mostly recovered, but still refused to fight and protested Sempronius's ideas. But Sempronius carried the day. He would get his battle. Hannibal, meanwhile, had been waiting patiently. He knew the smart move for the Romans was to wait. He didn't dare dream they would do the thing most detrimental to their cause. Offer a rash battle they were not prepared for. His hopes grew as he heard about Sempronius's pride and desire for battle. As soon as the decision for battle was made, I'm sure Hannibal would have had a huge grin on his face. He began to lay a trap. The two forces were divided by the Trebia. Hannibal examined the terrain and decided to lay an ambush. He asked his brother to select 100 infantry and 100 horsemen and bring them to him. He then asked these men to select nine more each, and so he gathered a force 2,000 strong. He sent these men off to conceal themselves in the shrubbery. At dawn on the day of battle, in December 218 BC, either on the day of the winter solstice, or near it, 
Hannibal ordered some of his Numidian cavalry over the river. The rest of his troops were to eat a good breakfast. The cavalry rode up to the Roman camp and made a nuisance of themselves, shouting, throwing javelins, waking everybody up, and then moved back a bit, just out of the Roman range. Sempronius took the bait. His troops were to attack. Then the cavalry moved further back, drawing the Romans forward. The Romans were freezing. It was a snowy day. They had been woken up at dawn, and so hadn't eaten anything, or prepared for the cold. The river was freezing, and, as it had rained the night before, it was higher than usual, up to their chests. When they emerged across the river, they could barely hold their weapons. They were freezing cold and ravenous. This was not going to be a good day for the Romans. In sharp contrast to this was life in the Carthaginian camp. They had woken up, warmed themselves, by the fire, had a nice, leisurely breakfast, to then be greeted with the news that the Romans had crossed the river. It was fighting time. This was going to be a good day for the Carthaginians. Hannibal had a force of about 38,000. 20,000 heavy Spanish, African and Gallic troops, 8,000 lighter troops and slingers, 10,000 allies and the elephants. The heavy infantry was the centre of the army. The lighter troops were to support the main force from the front. Meanwhile, the allies were on the two wings. In front of the two wings of the heavy infantry were the elephants. In addition to this, in addition to this, off to the right of the Carthaginian army was Margot with his 2,000 troops, half infantry and half cavalry. Facing them were the Romans. As you'll know from episode 3, they were deployed in the Maniple system. 18,000 Roman legionaries and 20,000 allied auxiliaries were the fighting force today. An interesting Latin note, ala is Latin for wing, and those that were placed on the wing, the socii, became known as the English word ally. The Romans used the word socius to mean ally, which is why the war that Rome would fight against her Italian allies in the 1st century BC, became known as the Socium Bellum, the social war. Auxilium is the Latin word for help. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Sempronius had been planning to deploy his cavalry against the Carthaginian cavalry, but realised this would just result in his horsemen's deaths. He instead deployed them on his wings. The two armies faced each other on this plain by the Trebia, on a snowy late December morn in 218 BC. Battle was imminent. The lighter troops made the first move, as usually happens. 
the Roman Velites skirmished with the Carthaginian Balearic Slingers. The Carthaginians had the upper hand. The Roman skirmishers had already used most of their javelins against the new Midian cavalry, and those javelins that were left were soaking wet and useless. Once the legionaries got close to the Carthaginians, the Balearis peeled off to the wings, where they focused their efforts against the Roman cavalry. The Roman cavalry was having quite a bad day, and was under significant pressure. These missiles from the Balearis were not helping, considering they were already outnumbered two to one, and the horses were rather freaked out by the elephants. The Carthaginian cavalry charged, and the Roman cavalry gave in, pulling back. This left the Roman wings exposed, and the Carthaginian cavalry was more than happy to take advantage of the situation. This was when Hannibal sprung his ambush. Margot had patiently been waiting, and now he attacked, hitting the legions in the rear. The Roman force was now completely surrounded. They would have been completely annihilated, were it not for one thing. The Roman legions were an excellent fighting machine. They did not rout and go to pieces when the enemy outflanked them and had them surrounded. They kept calm and they kept fighting. The centre kept pushing forward and eventually 10,000 troops made their way through the Carthaginian army. They realised that the battle was lost. The rear of the centre was being destroyed, and so were the wings. They thus made a strategic withdrawal to Placentia. The battle may be lost, but this did not mean that the war was. They would live to fight another day. One of the reasons they were able to escape the slaughter was the cold. The Carthaginians could only pursue as far as the Trebia, before they were driven back by a storm, and they allowed Scipio and the camp to join the survivors at Placentia. The cold took its toll on the Punic force. Many died from the cold, including all but one of the elephants. The core of the army, the Africans and the Spanish, were not badly harmed. Most of their losses were Gallic. Sempronius tried to hide his blunder. He sent dispatches to Rome, saying that the Romans would have won were it not for the bad weather. This was believed, but gradually other pieces of information arrived. That Hannibal was still in possession of his camp that the consuls had abandoned their camp and retreated to Placentia, and that the Gauls had joined the Carthaginians. The Romans quickly put two and two together. One consul had been defeated on his own, both consuls had been defeated together. Just what were they going to do? Reinforcements would be sent to key locations. They would ask their ally, in Sicily, Hiero, for help, and the two consuls for the next year would prepare the legions to go campaigning in 217 BC. These two consuls 
were Gnaeus Servilius and Gaius Flaminius. I think we all know how this turns out. If you've enjoyed the Battle of Trevia, you really should check us out online. Battle plan and maps and a rather cool video about the Battle of Trevia from the Time Commander series will all be put up on the website, thehistoryofpodcast.blogspot.com, the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash thehistoryofpodcast, and the Twitter page, twitter.com forward slash thehistoryofpod. You can also visit the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash thehistoryofpodcast, for that video and more latin goodness. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, musings, conspiracy theories, or thoughts on the 352 formation, do not hesitate to send me an email. I am usually very nice, and I will reply. The email address you want to be sending things to is thehistoryofpodcast at gmail.com. We'll continue the tale of the Punic Wars, and begin to cover how much I dislike Gaius Flaminius in two weeks. Why two weeks, I hear you ask? Well, because we have the 25th episode spectacular next week. It is going to be unlike anything I've ever done before, and I'm incredibly excited about it. So, be sure to tune in next week for the single greatest history podcast episode in the history of great history podcasting episodes. Thanks for listening.